Hey guys, this is Phil. This is the Vision Podcast. Today we're talking about stewarding authority, the authority that God has given you as a believer. And so it's going to be real good. I encourage you to press in, hear from heaven. We love you. Enjoy the podcast. So glad to see everybody. Everybody looks really good. Man, didn't it look heavenly up here with the sunlight coming through? And I mean, it was like God was putting on this laser light show for us. And I was just going, wow, it just looked amazing. Well, would you turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10. Who's excited to get into the Word of God? Oh, good, good. Luke chapter 10. Hey, I want to let you know if you would like to come to our midweek Midweek happens at our home. It's on Wednesday nights, and it starts at 6.30, and we're going deeper into the gospel and, and into the Word of God, so it's a great time for you to be able to come and join the discussion, because uh, we discussed everything this last week. We talked about identity, and it was so good, so powerful, and so I want to invite you to come and be a part of that. Luke chapter 10 I, I really have a word stern in my heart that God is dealing with me on. And so we're going to look at verse 19, but I think I'm going to start a little earlier on. So in verse 17, it says, Then the 70, these are the disciples that Jesus sent out. He sent 70 out, and he empowered them. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, I saw heaven, I saw Satan, excuse me, fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Serpent is a word that's used to describe Satan or any of his little lamps that does what he does, serpent. Scorpions we hear, we see referred to in Revelation chapter 9 several times, but the, one, the thing I want to focus on is that he, and over all the power of the enemy. So Jesus is giving the disciples authority, right? And he says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because, why? Your names are written in heaven. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, there's a difference between somebody who's prayed a prayer to receive Christ and somebody who's a believer. You know, people can get emotionally charged, and we've seen it, and they come to the altar and they make a decision, but then there's no transformation that takes place in our life. When transformation takes place, it's when we choose to go from a prayer that we prayed to a believer, and these signs follow those who believe. When we become a believer, man, it's like God takes us to a whole new level. And I, you know, I found I was, I, over, the, over this last week, I was ministering to a person and, you know, it's, it seemed like everything was wrong with everybody else. And I, you know, and I shared with him in a, in a gent, gentle, loving way that, you know, I found the best way to change other people is to focus this way. 
and to change what's going on in here and allow God to transform my life because then my outlook changes, then my perception changes, then I can no longer be hurt by people because I care more about what God thinks. And it's so freeing. I love preaching that way because I... I, I don't need accolades from you. I don't need affirmation from you. I don't, certainly don't need, you know, criticism. <laughs> but it comes, but I'm okay with that. Why? Because I'm, playing, I, I, I'm, I'm preaching for an audience of one person, and his name is Jesus. Oh, man. Man, if we could really grab a hold of that, it would set us free. Like, like Zach said, you know, you're out of your mind. No, I might be out of yours. I love that. I love it when Dan says that. It's always awesome. Um, So notice, though, in this verse, in Luke chapter 10, that Jesus is saying, I have given you authority. He has given us that authority. How do we know that? Because we're a disciple of Jesus. We're one of the 70. We're, you know, we're the next generation, the next gen 70. That's us, okay? And so that's one way that we know. But the other way that we know is that, that we have been raised up with him and seated in heavenly places. Seats in heavenly places are for people that have authority. Right? These are, these are places of authority. And also, he's the head and we're the body. How many of you know the body's attached to the head? Can't get the head off, right? It's not like he's up here and there's some body wandering around. It may feel that way. But at times, but that's not true. We're connected to him. And so if he has authority, guess who else has authority? We do. A lot of Christians don't believe this. A lot of Christians don't believe that they have authority. In fact, they're praying and hoping something happens. They're praying and hoping that things change, hoping that there's a difference. But he has given us authority. So it's much like a police officer. You know, a police officer stands there in traffic and holds up his hand for you to stop. He has authority, right? The power comes from what's behind him and the government that supports him, right? But he has the authority. One of my favorite pictures, and I think it describes it a little better, is this picture of this little lion cub. And he's standing And he's trying to look as intimidating as he can look. And he's looking right at the camera. But he's not the one that's intimidating. It's mom who's right behind him, standing there with her muscles bulging. Right? Because how many of you know in the lion world, the the moms are the hunters? The men are the lay around kind of guys. All right, turn over to Philippians chapter 2. I don't want to get into trouble. Philippians chapter (laughs) 2. Sorry, guys. Hung you out there. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. And so, so Jesus has given us authority. And that lion, that mama that's standing behind that baby lion cub, that's Jesus standing behind me this morning as I preach. He's given me authority, but how many of you know it's his power? His power Our authority is what activates his power, gives his power permission to flow through us. Work in our lives and work in the lives of other people. You guys see that, right? And so in Ephesians, or Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 9. Now, this is because of the finished work of the cross. It says, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name, say the name, 
that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, and those in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth, that's everybody. There's nobody missing in that scenario. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. This is the all-powerful, mighty name, the name that is like no other name, the name that everything and everyone else bows to, the name is Jesus. Jesus. Man, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Everything is subject to that name. The authority is in that name. Have you ever gone to a place and you weren't able to get in until you gave them the right name? Why? Because that name carried weight. It gave you permission to go into places that you couldn't go. You know, remember we got to go backstage at a concert one time because I knew the right name. Jesus is a name that we need to use and that we need to name drop. But it's not enough to just name drop it. We have to be believers in the name in what the name does, in the, in the fact that everything else is subject to this name. All right, I'm going somewhere this morning, so hang with me. But so here's the thing. So we've been given this authority, and the authority is in the name, and we, we're believers, so the name works for us. We can activate the name. We can name drop, and because we believe, things are going to change, right? <clears throat> but some people... Well, this happened. Um, there was a person that was beginning to talk to me, and they were telling me about a sickness that they've had. It's been in their family, I guess, for so long, and the father had it, the grandfather had it, and this guy's dealing with it. And he's, you know, he's, he began to, to, to describe to me in detail the sickness. I mean, he knew, he knew so, I, was, I was amazed how much he knew about the sickness. And, but yet... He's a man who believes in faith. He's a man who believes in the name. The name that is above every other name. You know, it might be a situation where you have something that the doctors haven't even been able to identify yet. And maybe they have to create a name for it because they don't know what it is. Rejoice when the name is created. Why? Because that name has to bow its knee to the name. Of Jesus. And so, anyway, this gentleman was telling me all about the sickness. And, and, and he, you know, he was making decisions based on the illness. Well, I need to go live in another part of the country. I need to go live over here because the illness, you know, is, you know it's a climate deal. And I, I've got to go over here. And, and so now the sickness is, is dictating where he's going to live. Now it's dictating decisions that he's going to make. And I finally, it just rose up out of me. And sometimes, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to obey. And if I have to apologize later, I will. <laughs> you know, but I just said, I said, stop giving your authority away. And it came out of my mouth and I went, whoa, wow, that was good. I'm going to write that down, man. <laughs> Quit giving your authority away. Why? Because you're giving, you're taking a molehill and turning it into a mountain. Have you ever seen a molehill? I had a mole last year in my yard. Wreaked havoc. 
It was the worst thing ever. You know, because then your dog starts trying to find it. And it just gets worse and worse. Anyway, and then he went over, moved over to another part of my yard. And he hadn't messed up this enough. So he went over here and he started messing this up. But a little molehill is just this little thing that you can just step on. You can, you can bring it right down, right back down to the ground. Why? Because he's only four inches under there and he's tunneling. It's a molehill. But what happens is when we talk about things and we begin to give merit to the problem then suddenly that problem becomes bigger than, than the promise. And when the problem becomes bigger than the promise, that's a problem. Why? Because it's kicking the legs out from underneath your faith. I know I talked a little bit about this in ministry time last week, but God is just burning this in my heart that we've got to stop allowing the enemy to make this thing bigger than the name. And that's why your faith's not working. Because you know more about the sickness than you do about the promises of God. I have sat, I've literally sat in my office and I, and I had, had this one gentleman that told me all about his sickness and he talked for 30 minutes. And I finally asked him, I said, well, what promises are you standing on? What scriptures are you standing on? And, and he could barely name 1 Peter 2.24. And he couldn't even quote it correctly. I said, what else? I said, dude, you need to go home and you need to stop researching your illness and you need to start researching the word of God and the promises it has for you. And you need to start feeding on that and listening to that instead of all this other stuff that you're listening to. Mm, Right? Don't don't give away your authority. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give away your authority. Yeah. Yeah. See, the more we yield to something, the more power we give it. And what we do is we defeat ourselves. It's like the enemy doesn't even really have to do anything when that's going on. You're defeating yourself. Good preaching, Pastor Phil. So, say, <laughs> yeah. So now, it's important, though, to know this. Because some people, they say, well, Phil, you just don't understand. You know, you, you got to know, I'm, I'm fighting the devil. I'm fighting the devil. Well, why are you fighting the devil? Jesus already fought him. And he won. Your responsibility is to fight the good fight of faith. Not to fight the devil. You're ill-equipped in your natural man. You couldn't beat him anyway in your natural man. But God in you has already defeated him. Why is it called the good fight? Have you ever been in a bad fight? What's the good? Yeah, it's the one you lose. Thank you. Come on. A good fight is the one you win. Right, Steve? Nobody walks away from a fight they lost and went, man, that was a great fight. <laughs> I got the tar beat out of me, but then that was, wow. No, nobody ever says that. The good fight is the one that you win. But here's the cool thing. Here's the cool part. He already won. So you're that lion cub. Jesus, standing behind you going, "Mm mm-hmm. Oh, he's already won. And so why are we wasting time fighting the enemy? Why are we wasting time trying to, you know, 
throwing punches at the air and trying to figure out how to fight the enemy when the fight has already been won. You say, what is the good fight of faith? The good fight of faith is choosing to believe in the finished work that Jesus accomplished because a lot of Christians stop at the cross. They don't go on to to the risen Savior, the one who ascended on high, who got highly exalted and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Finished work. I don't know why, but I just have this visual in my mind of Jesus coming to heaven after the work is complete. Everything is done, met with the disciples. He ascends, and now all he has to do is pour his blood out on the mercy seat because the tabernacle is a copy of the one in heaven oh and and i don't know why but i visualize jesus coming through the main gate walking down the main street of heaven and everyone just waiting in anticipation and nobody's making a sound and he walks all the way through and you can see him all the way to the end and he pours his blood out on the mercy seat And heaven comes unglued. (laughs) Confetti. You can't even see, man. So loud, you can't even think. Is nobody excited about that? Yeah, okay. All right, just wanted to make sure I'm in the right room. All right. So don't fight the devil. Only fight. The only fight that we are supposed to fight is the good fight of faith. So that's one that you've already... that you've already won. Amen. Amen. Because we sing that song, this is how I fight my battles. What does that mean? How do we fight those battles? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. You're right there in Philippians. It's right next door to your left. Ephesians chapter 6. It's actually just one page to your left. Chapter 12. I'm I'm sorry. Verse 12, thank you, thank you, those of you keeping up with me. Keep me right. Verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not your problem. Say that out loud. People are not my problem. I don't wrestle against them. But you wrestle against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, and then he goes on to say, put on The whole armor of God. Well, Phil, I'm fighting sin. No, you're not. He already did. He beat it. He beat it. You need to put your confidence in him and step in who he's called you to be. And you're not going to be fighting sin anymore. I'm fighting temptation. You don't understand. No, you're not fighting temptation. He already did. And he won. Yeah, he already did. He already won. What, what's our responsibility again? We fight the good fight of faith. Well, Phil, you don't understand. I'm fighting the bill collector. I'm fighting financially. No, your fight is the good fight of faith. What's the good fight of faith? It's for me, I, I fight. This is how I fight financially. I tithe. I'm telling you. I tithe. I'm just telling you what I do. I, hey, I don't keep score. I don't see what anybody does in here. I see the bottom line. I just want to know what, was the, what came in today. I'm not keeping track. I'm not going to micromanage that. God has not called me to be the tithe police in your life. 
But let me tell you this. I will tell you what tithing has done for me. Is I, I began to tithe when I was 18 years old. Thank you, God, for, for Bible teachers and people that taught me. And I began to tithe. And, man, God began to be faithful to me. And when we were in Louisville, Kentucky, we were pastoring this church. And it was a very small church. And, and, but what we decided to do from the very beginning was to tithe as a church. And do you know that, I, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think our church, our average attendance ever grew beyond 32 people. It was just a really small community. And the amazing thing was we never saw a financial deficit. Why? We're tithing. Why is that a big deal, Phil? Because I'm keeping covenant. This is the only place in the Bible that God said, test me in this. And you need to know about this church. We're a tithing church. Everything that comes in every week, 10% of it, we tithe. And 10%, yeah, thank you, Lord. Woo, give Jesus a hand. He's the one that taught us. And we tithe every week, and then we also set back every week, 10% to save. Because we know God has plans for a building for us, and we've been, we've been believing God for that. And we also bless other ministries on top of that. But let me tell you, that tithe has, has blessed us so much that we have, we have never had a financial deficit as a church. I'm so grateful to God, you know, because I know people that it's like, it's like they're, they're so stressed out over finances. And I'm so glad, Lisa, you brought up Philippians 4.19 because that, that verse set me free financially from ministry, you know, because you can, man, you can develop an ulcer over the kind of worry that, that the enemy would love for you to step into over finances. And, and I never did. And I, I, when I read that verse and I saw that it said, and my God shall supply, <sighs> shall, that's not a maybe, that's not a hope so, that's not, well, we'll see. That's shall I shall, and my God shall supply your need according to his riches and glory. So it's not based on my income. It's not based on what this church can produce. But let me tell you something. If you're not tithing, and, we, and let me quantify this. When was the last time you saw me put a financial pull on you guys? Thank you. Somebody said never. Yeah, I, because I'm determined if this, is, if this is God's house and this is God's vision, then he's responsible to pay for it and he'll put it on the hearts of people to be a part of that the warehouse that we have there's no revenue that doesn't produce any revenue and God just brings the finances in and has totally I've just said God this is your thing (laughs) we're just our job is to be faithful and to believe what he said in his word so if you go back and you read Malachi chapter 3 then you'll, you'll learn all about the tithe. And this is the only place where God said, test me in this. Come on. It's like he's saying, I dare you. You ever have one of your friends say, I dare you? Remember growing up as a kid? I double dog, dare you? You had to do it. Or I'm going, well, ours usually ended in, or I'm going to tell them about, you know, so-and-so. Uh, anyway, <laughs> or such and such. Anyway. So our fight is not with the bill collector. What's our fight? Our fight is the good fight of faith. Amen? Amen. So how do we fight? How do we fight? I'm going to ask the praise team to come back. We never fight the enemy on his terms. We never fight the enemy on his terms. There was this uh, 
it, it wasn't the guy from Australia, but there was this kind of this crazy guy that loved to catch alligators. And he knew a lot about alligators. And I remember that they dropped him off in a helicopter in this place where this, this deadly alligator was. And in fact, you could see the alligator. They could see him from the air. And, and he got, and when he hit the ground, the guy laid down on the ground. And he said, now watch, the alligator's going to start coming over to me because he's laying down. And the alligator did. And then he said, now watch what happens when I stand up. And he stood up and the alligator stopped. And he started walking toward him and the alligator started backing up. And the alligator backed into the water. And he got all the way into the water. And so the man followed him into the water only up to about mid-ankle. And he said, now this is as far as I can go. He said, because now I'm on, he wants, he wants to fight me on his terms. So he wants me in the water because that's where he's the strongest. And the enemy does this to people. He, he tries to deceive. He tries to manipulate. Why? Because he wants to get you to fight in the place where he knows that he can beat you. And so that's why he brings thoughts, because the battlefield, for many of us, is our mind. I mean, he brings a thought, then he makes you feel bad for thinking the thought. You know, he brings this thought. You know, this person looked at you kind of funny, and then he tries to interpret what that means. This doctor said this to you, and then he tries to play with what that can mean. Or you got this diagnosis, and then he expands it and tries to take a molehill, turn it into a mountain. And make it seem like it's an impossibility. Let me tell you, cancer to the name of Jesus is a molehill. Probably not even a molehill. Mm. Man. And so the enemy wants us to fight on his terms, but we can't fight on his terms. We have to fight, like it said in Ephesians, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That it's a spiritual fight, so we need a spiritual empowerment to fight. We need to fight in the spirit. So um, years ago, when, when my kids were small, we were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and my Suburban was stolen right out of my driveway. And I came running out the front door to watch my Suburban go driving down the street. That's a, that's a sight to see, <laughs> watch your own vehicle leave, you know, and... Uh, and anyway, I remember when it, when it left and we talked to the police, we filed the report and everything. And then Nicole and I went in our living room and we prayed. We said, Lord, we just pray right now that we would get our Suburban back. We like that Suburban. And we pray, Lord, that it would be unharmed. They wouldn't be able to part it out or wreck it, you know, or do any damage to it. Do you know in two hours, the police came and got me and took me to that Suburban. And it was undamaged. He said it was the weirdest thing. I was asking him what happened. He said it was the weirdest thing. He said we turned on our lights. And and usually when you turn your lights on, that's when they take off. He said, but these guys didn't. He said they pulled into a convenience store. Both of them got out of the vehicle and went like this. Come on, Jesus. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think think so. Jesus is the name that's above every other name. Everything else is subject to that 
name. Wow. Wow. I want to read to you one last verse, and then I want to pray for you. I want to spend some time praying for some people this morning. John chapter 16. Could you turn over there? John chapter 16. We're going to look at verse 23. Look at what Jesus said. He said, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. God has given us authority to exercise that authority not to abuse that authority suddenly we make it about us and it's about getting mine and me having what I want and, and having this or having that or you know it becomes about obtaining or getting things more than it becomes about what God can do in me and through me in the lives of the people around me. See, because to me, blessing just comes with it. Increase and in blessing in your life comes with you fulfilling God's plan that he put in you, which was to minister to other people and to make a difference in their life. Because God has given you an open door in many people's lives through you, through your personality, through your relationship with them. He wants to make a difference in, in people's lives. But we have to be, we have to have our authority, we have to steward our authority correctly. Can I say it that way? Authority is something that has to be stewarded. And it has to be stewarded according to what God as planned instead of seeing how can I how can I work this deal so that I get the most out of it I remember one time working at a church that we were you know we were looking for volunteers I I gotta tell you I've been reading in first chronicles now there's some reading if you've ever been in first chronicles it's all the begats so and so begat so and so begat so and so begat so and so but the interesting thing is in the midst of it I've been learning about the temple and David's structure and organization of that church. And I've been so impressed. And one of the things that God has impressed upon me, because this church I was about to tell you about that I was a part of, they used to, they, you know, we would recruit volunteers and we'd, we'd have meetings and talk about how, recruiting volunteers for a certain area. And so they began to use this phrase, well, you know, we just need to give them something so, so that, you know, it satisfies that need to, that desire of what's in it for me. And I thought, this is a really bad way to, to recruit volunteers. You know, because it's not about them. When we volunteer in an area, it's about what God can do in somebody else's life. It's not a it's not about us. We don't come down here at 7 in the morning because we don't have anything better to do on Sunday mornings. 
we come down here to get things ready because we want to host God's presence here in this place this morning. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, hmm. so we changed as a church, our staff, and, uh, and after I was reading First Chronicles, I was going, wow, we, we need to pray in the key people that God has for this church. We need to believe God for the right, we want right people in right places. We want, we want people that have a passion and a desire for that. And, and we, I mean, that's why, that's why we do things the way that we do is we don't want anybody stuck. We don't want anybody feeling like, oh, they just, you know, they just used me over there. No, we, <laughs> you guys understand what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say it. I don't, I don't know that I'm doing a good job about it, but I want to pray over you because I felt that there may be some of you in this place that maybe you've allowed yourself to, um, you know, you've allowed yourself to It's like to have two people talking to you at the same time. Me trying to talk and then the Holy Spirit's trying to. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. give up. I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you all around the room, as we were talking about that earlier, and we were talking about maybe, you know, I don't know if it's something that you're going through, if it was a sickness that you were dealing with, if it was something else going on, um, either physically or on the job or in your career or in your marriage, and you say you're at a place where you've, you recognize that you've given up your authority. And now after this, this morning, you've decided, no, I'm taking that back. If that's you, would you raise your hand all around the room? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, I see it. Anybody else? That's you. You say, that's me. I, I feel like I've given authority over to this thing. I've fought. It's been a long fight. And I've just, I was so tempted. I've allowed a molehill to become a mountain in my life. And I'm not doing it anymore. If that's you, be honest. All around the room. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, let's pray right now. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to pray after me. Let's pray this prayer together. I'd like everybody to pray so that we're all saying the same thing and we're supporting those that, that that's where they are. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Let's pray this. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given me authority in the mighty name of Jesus. The name that's above every other name. I thank you for that authority. Lord, I want to apologize 
and ask you to forgive me for letting that authority go, for letting it slip from me. Lord, I take it back and I choose to walk in the authority that's rightfully mine, that you gave me. I will not be intimidated. I will be strong and courageous. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Shamba da Bobo.